Hey everybody, thanks for listening to Adrian Has Issues. Before we get started, just a quick little uh, note here. As is the case, I usually record my show remotely uh, with my guests, and technology does tend to be a bit finicky. So at times in the show, you'll hear uh, some brief changes in quality as some of our conversation had to be recorded at a later date. So there's going to be a little bit of fluctuation, um, very brief. Um, honestly, barely even like a minute in most cases, but I just wanted to make you aware. And again, thank you for listening. And again, thank you to Ivy and Sarashi for taking the time out to talk with me about their work on both Steven Universe, Steven U's Future, and the game Ekenfell. And we had a great conversation. And I hope that the audio doesn't turn you off because it's a great conversation. It's also an important conversation. So definitely listen uh, with an open mind. And I really hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, here is episode 166 of Adrian Has Issues. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. Don't tell the other podcasts. I should go. Hello, everybody. You are listening to Adrian Has Issues, the conversational podcast celebrating the culture of creativity. One of the many joys in doing this podcast is not just talking to creators and learning about the things that they make, but also discovering what inspires them. Prior to this episode, a number of artists I had either interviewed or had just been following on Twitter had been doing renditions of songs from the game Ekenfell, and I immediately fell in love with the arrangements. And this game's been making waves lately, and it's honestly not hard to see why. Developed by Chevy Ray of Happy Ray Games, it features an enthralling and imaginative fantasy world filled with magic and intrigue, but also fosters and normalizes a inclusive storytelling and gameplay sensibility, which I think is something that is not only necessary, but um, also kind of missing from some games. And I thought that was a really nice touch. Oh, and did I mention that the soundtrack absolutely slaps? <laughs> um, speaking of the soundtrack, I am pleased to welcome today's guest, the composers of the soundtrack for Ekenfell, Ivy and Sarashu. They are a chiptune and piano duo comprised of pianist uh, Ivy Tran and sound designer Steve Sarashu Velema. And the two have created a significant number of songs for the award-winning animated series Steven Universe and Steven Universe Future. Thank you so much for taking the time out, and it's a pleasure to speak with you both. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you. Anytime. So, something I do like, and we'll definitely get into the soundtrack, but um, something I do like talking about is origins and how things came about. Um, how did you two meet? Um, we met at GDC in 2012. Well, technically, we met on Twitter in 2011. But we ended up meeting at GDC because Sarashu was in the area attending the conference. And I just happened to live in the Bay Area. So I decided to swing by after my day job one day. And we met there and started talking about doing piano and chiptune duets since it was an idea that I had. But I had no idea how to make it work or what it would even sound like because at that time, I think no one had done it. 
I think Sarashio had some similar ideas. And after we hung out at GDC, I kind of expected it to be one of those, you know, you talk to people, you make conversation, uh, then they forget about what you say. And <laughs> um, but he actually messaged me a few days later and said, I've been thinking about what you said and let's do it. And at that point, you know, we hardly even knew each other and we were barely friends. And so we just decided to jump in and try doing a duet together. Yeah. And our the first song we did was a cover of a Zelda song called, uh, from Link's Awakening called Made Village. What drew me into the game's soundtrack was its storytelling nature. Because I feel like whether you had played the game or if you had just listened to the soundtrack, let's say, like on Spotify... I do get like a sense of the scope of the game and everything that entails. And it's just a beautiful score to that effect though. Ivy, um, something I did notice on your Twitter, you mentioned something that I think really lends a, a little uh, credence to your musical styles with us, Rashu, the term digital fusion, you know, in regards to the type of music you make for anybody who's listening, if you want to kind of give a little bit of an idea as to what that entails, because that's a term that I haven't heard before but it, it does fit very closely with your music. The genre digital fusion is something that me and other composers on Twitter came up with um, last year because we wanted to find a word to describe the music that we make. When I was growing up and I started making music, I kind of had a dual background in doing electronic music or MIDI sequencing specifically. And at the same time, I was also studying classical piano, so I never really knew what kind of musician to call myself. Like, I'm not just a pianist, and I'm not just a MIDI artist, and I also kind of felt insecure, like, oh, but I'm not really good at either of them. But later on in life, I started realizing that my strength is that I can do both of them simultaneously. And so the word digital fusion was kind of meant to capture like um, the combination of a lot of different genres and fusing those genres together with computer music, like music influenced by video games or keyboard demos and um, other music like that. And I think a lot of my colleagues had similar influences. A lot of us, we have really sen uh, similar sensibilities in making music and I think I started noticing also that all of us would just make up genres for ourselves. Like if you want to, <laughs> like everybody would make up genres for each individual song. And I was doing something similar. So that's when I realized like, hey, you know, we all sound similar and we're all doing the same thing. And we've all been feeling lost for the last like two decades. So let's come up with a name for all of us so that we can, you know, like be a part of a larger movement together in music. Right. And Srashu, something I know and something that I've always loved is, I guess, what's traditionally referred to as chiptune. But as I've noticed in the last handful of years, you know, artists have been sort of having a dialogue regarding the nature of that style, because for a long time, you know, there were artists who used it in, let's say, dance music. But I also know with genre, it tends to sometimes maybe be a little bit stifling because you know, a lot of your work maybe doesn't fall into the traditional chip sense. So I don't know if you've had any experience like regarding your ideas about digital fusion and where do you see chip music sort of heading into the future? I feel like the way that I approach chip tune, because I do, I do consider myself to be a chip artist, right. but 
way that I approach it is I don't really like to be very, um, I want to say respectful to the, to the old chips and their like exact hardware specifications. So I much prefer to try and use those sounds to create something entirely new. Right. And I think that digital fusion kind of connects to that to some extent, uh, because we're also trying to create something new together. Uh, and so I like to think of my chiptune as also uh, digital fusion. Right, because I think that's what I've always loved about, let's say, Steven Universe, because it sort of normalized and brought chip music to um, an audience that maybe was aware of the sound, but maybe not aware that there was such a like large community that you know made this type of music. We definitely wanted to make the Steven Universe soundtrack a love letter to the community of video game musicians that we grew up with and learned to make music alongside. Yeah. I think we do a lot of things that are common in that scene, like major sevens all over the place. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, for me personally, I actually didn't grow up with chiptune music. I started gaming in the Nintendo 64 era and onwards, so chiptune wasn't really a part of my musical vocabulary. And right. um, regardless of that, though, I love chip music just purely because I love the sounds. And I view chiptune as an instrument rather than, you know, a genre or video game bloops and leaps like other mm -hmm. people tend to. I, I think that I've always seen video game music in itself just as its own style of music and its own genre. And I never judged it by, you know, oh, the string samples are such bad quality or whatever. Um, <laughs> I've always appreciated it just for what it is. And um, I, I think we really wanted to showcase that and see the universe and just show that, like, this is a style of music. It's not just bound to video games. It's just a cool way of expressing yourself. Yeah, and I think when we even got asked to do Steven Universe, they were even looking for uh, people who had some game music influence because they liked that stuff too. Right. Yeah, we were game composers and we kind of got, you know, plucked out of the games industry and thrown into <laughs> animation. So yeah. I think that the people working on the show also saw the same thing that we did in game music, where it's not, you know, just a nostalgic throwback to old times, but it's just um, a really enjoyable style of music. And you two have such a, like, if you don't mind me saying, like, you have such a very, like, humble approach to it, because I don't know how I would feel if, like, I composed music for a series that has not only won, like, you know, awards and for its music and storytelling, but also became, like, a cultural phenomenon. With Steven Universe brought, like, I think a lot of things that weren't necessarily mainstream to the mainstream. And linking that to Ekenfell, something I think that the game did very well is have characters that are non-binary or having like queer romances. And even as far as like the game's options by having content warnings for things that were about to happen. And in and of themselves, they seem like, you know, I think to people who are pretty progressive would seem like kind of like a no-brainer, but it's a very big deal to sort of introduce these ideas and make them like commonplace. And I don't know, like I said, you two, I think, work really well within that. So, I mean, I don't know, how, how have you really been handling, of course, Steven Universe success? <laughs> I'm, I'm really, I think we're both really happy to be a part of a children's TV show that helps to normalize 
LGBTQ plus identities. And it's really fulfilling to be able to be a part of something like that. Um, I myself identify non-binary and working with Ickenfell where uh, half the cast is non-binary and mm-hmm. it's not a big deal at all. It's just so special to be able to work on something like that. In addition to doing the music for Ickenfell, I was actually a part of the sensitivity and writing team. So like towards the end of the game's development, um, I helped assemble a team of queer people of color to kind of go through the game and make sure that the characters, particularly the characters of color, were very respectfully represented. But while we were going through the game, we also realized, like, you know, Chevy Ray's world of witches is already queer. Like, literally, no one in the game is straight. And we decided, (laughs) why don't we make that a little more obvious? Right. Because if you don't say anything, people will assume this character is straight or that character is cisgender or, you know, just a lot of assumptions are made if you don't say something. So we thought, might as well say something and there's nothing to be ashamed of in saying it. And one of our sensitivity editors, Joanna Blackheart, was largely responsible for our content warning system. And they also wrote, um, I don't know if you've played it in Philly yet, but there's a line in the game where one of the characters explicitly says, I'm so gay. And it was really important to them to be able to just say that line that explicitly in the game. And they fought really hard to get that in there. And I think that moment from the game is the one that I've seen screen capped most often from Ickenfell. That is definitely one that I've seen, not to cut you off, but, (laughs) and that's why I was like, okay, this, I need to play this game because this is fantastic in so many ways. It it comes from a very genuine place as well. I mean, all of us that worked on the game, um, you know, it just comes from a celebration of our own identities. And these are things that we want to see normalized. And, you know, it's just, it's all, it all comes out of a place of love. And I'm really happy that the game has been recognized for these elements. And I think that um, our sensitivity editing team did a really good job. And um, Chevy Ray also is just a fantastic person to work for. Um, We're just very grateful that he gave us all a seat at this table. Yeah, like it's one of those things when you talk about normalization, at least this is, of course, my take. And I don't know if everyone agrees. But, you know, sometimes I feel like there is a balancing act because... In order to make it normal, you have to at least make it known and in, in sometimes in a, a very direct, but also inviting way. Because like you said, some people will just assume either a gender or an identity of a character, but sometimes it has to be said. But once it's known, you know, it's like, okay, that is, that is really cool. And speaking of the sensitivity writing team, I think that's something like, I'm thinking to myself, why isn't that more of a thing? We've seen stories where I think there is maybe a intent to want to be progressive or want to be inclusive, but sometimes misses the mark. But I think with the writing team and especially making sure that that team is diverse really does help make things a little bit easier to make sure that, yes, representation is good, but making sure that you have proper representation as well. I think that um, creating this team Also, we hope a little bit that other projects will look at this and think, wow, this is really good. We should do this too. Like we should also have accessibility options. We should also have content warnings. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a non-binary character. It's great. So I, I do hope that the game will like inspire other developers to do the same thing. 
I have definitely seen some social media posts where others, I think they've flat out said like, oh, this is a cool idea and I want to include something like this in my game, which it's like, once you put it out into the world, someone will eventually grasp onto these ideas and that's how you start bringing about change. I mean, at the core of it, you know, hire people of color, hire queer people, hire disabled people, hire women. My God, the the soundtrack, like I had this on loop and I'm almost tempted to show like, you know what, what I'm going to do is this is going to be a little embarrassing, but I did start making notes of certain songs. Uh, so I'm going to basically introduce a segment I call Adrian Reads His Embarrassing Notes. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to hear Adrian's notes. One of the first ones I, I had for Showtime, I basically just wrote is a bop and a half. Renko did that. <laughs> <laughs> Renko did do that. She yeah. really brought it. I, I've worked with Renko for a few years. Um, we are in a, a Toho uh, arrange group together, and we were called uh, Orange Jam. Orange Jam still around. I I still participate as a master, but I got really busy with Steven Universe, so <laughs> it was hard to keep up with it. But uh, we always work together really well, and for this game. We really wanted to have vocal songs in there uh, because we wanted to work together with some vocalists that we knew, and one of them was Renko. I also was really excited to create like these special moments within the game where a song would like kind of come out of nowhere. And uh, I've seen a few reactions online that were like really taken by surprise by the vocal song, so uh, I was very excited by that. So one of my other lines, and this one really hit me when I wrote it, is alchemy is for everyone. When you get emotional from song titles alone. I I don't want to harp on this too much, but it is kind of worth noting that I know a lot of the dialogue in talking about Ekenfell's story is the fact that I don't want to even mention the name, but you know, we're all aware of that very famous, you know, universe that its creator has not exactly been super great. So I'm just gonna leave it at that. And the damage that was done by that, because so many people, I think, grasped onto that. But the song itself is just beautiful. It is a very simple, but yet, like, really powerful statement. Yeah, we we named the song Alchemy is for Everyone because one of the characters in the game, Professor Stadio Leora, um, she has a moment in the game where the magical students are asking her, why do we have to learn alchemy? Because we already know how to do magic. And she was explaining, well, ordinaries don't know how to do magic. And what if they need to learn how to heal somebody too? And she was very passionate about, you know, ordinary rights, basically. <laughs> so um, we, we named the song Alchemy is for Everyone because of her line. Um, yeah. So regardless of whether or not you have magic, doesn't make you lesser of a person in this world. Yeah. Paint the future, Emma's theme, basically in all caps, I just wrote OMFG Samus. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads into something I do want to talk about real quick. And I think this is also worth noting is that, you know, when we talk about creating and collaborating. It's rarely done in a bubble, despite what anybody may think. But there's a really great roster of guest artists and musicians. So I don't know if the two of you wanted to kind of like at least highlight some of those um, real quick, because again, there's so much talent on this and so much just breathtaking talent, really. I'm such a big fan of Samus's music. I've listened to her CDs. I've gone to her shows. I've cried over her work. Her lyrics are so powerful and personal. 
Um, she often combines black feminism with her love of video games. And listening to her work really made me realize that you can present your identity through music in this way. And I found it very inspiring and empowering. When I was learning about all the characters in Ikenfell, I thought of Samus right away when I read Ima's profile because Ima is a junior professor at the School of Ikenfell and all of the other students look up to Zir. And at the time, Samus was also going for her PhD. And it just felt really right. And also, I just really wanted to work with Samus. And this was a good excuse to do it. I really love the lyrics that she wrote for Paint the Future. Personally, my favorite line is when she says, Sometimes I'm feeling green with envy of a boy or girl or envy. I pretty much started screaming when I heard that line. I love it so much. And I think that a simple acknowledgement like that um, and normalizing it in music really goes a long way. I'm really grateful and proud of the song that we made together. But Samus is not alone regarding like the other guests. I mean, we also did mention Ranko, but I don't know if you want to mention some of the others. Yeah. So I've known Adriana Figueroa for a really long time, and I've always wanted to collaborate with her because she has such a beautiful, expressive voice. When I was reading about Aldra from Ikenfell, um, I knew right away that this character was going to have the most emotional song in the game. And whoever sang for this character would have to be able to express a lot of vulnerability and all these raw, delicate emotions. And Adriano was the first person I thought of. And I'm really happy that I finally got to make my dream of working with her come true. Um, she wrote the lyrics for the song as well as performing the vocals on it. And she did such an amazing job. Right. The last vocalist we have on the game is Rekadam, who is a really longtime friend of ours. I love their work. <laughs> Back in 2013, they had written a song for... Um, their band saga album um, called The Sun, the Moon, and the Earth. And they had um, me play guest piano on it, as well as Stemmage, who I believe wrote your theme song, right? <laughs> yes. Shout out to Stemmage. Great guy. And thank you. And hope you're doing well. We love you, Stemmage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got Stemmage on a bunch as well on the soundtrack. Yeah. So um, regarding Rekadam's song, um, Between the Lines, which is Rook's theme. So back then, Rekadam wrote a song and had me and Stemmage play on it. And so this time around, I wrote Rook's theme and had Stemmage playing guitar and Rekadam rapping on it. So Rekadam also played a drum solo. Rekadam did the drum solo yeah. in the song as well. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, so we're trying to convince Stemmage to now write a song and feature me in Rekadam. <laughs> so we can have a triangle. You, you said it, it's on the podcast, so now it's in perpetuity. So uh, Stemmage, now <laughs> we have a challenge. So you know what? Official call out. Right? <laughs> um, funny you should mention Rekadam because in my uh, notes, uh, I do have a part where I just say Rook's theme, Rekadam went off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> I love Rook's theme. I know I wrote it, but <laughs> I really love 
Rekadam's lyrics and and their performance on the song. It's also one of my favorite songs. Yeah, that's, on the that's my favorite for the record. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in my notes, I also have "Face My Fears" boss two. And it's like, okay, it took 35 years, but I'm finally ready to admit that I am obsessed with video game boss battle themes. So <laughs> that one, yeah, we, we were we made that one really late into the game. We were testing the game, and I wonder how many how, how much uh, spoilers I should talk about. So basically, okay, this is um, for anybody listening. This um, we're about to go into spoiler territory here. We're kind of the second half of the game. So maybe skip two minutes ahead if you don't want to hear this. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, we were playing through this game and we kind of found as we were getting into the sort of second half of the game that uh, this game kind of takes a dark turn and there's a lot of psychological trauma that comes up and some very like dark and creepy bosses uh, that go with that trauma. And... Our first boss theme is a little fun and a little cute to some extent and fits well with the first half. But in the second half, we really felt like uh, it needs like just something a little edgier and darker that like uh, kind of like fits with what's happening. And so we decided to write that one. Um, I kind of feel like, you know, the the stress we've been carrying from 2020 came out in that song. (laughs) (laughs) It definitely came out. It definitely took my stress. So, yeah, it was pretty cathartic to write it. I think just it was fun to well, fun is a a strange word, but it it was um, it was fun. Right. Yeah, (laughs) it was a relief to just um, kind of go ham and, you know, get your anger out there with this kind of song. Yeah. And it's it's like a strange meter and it's very unpredictable and very strange sounds. So we just really wanted to go. We wanted the music to sound scary. Yeah. Um, Actually, um, so earlier this year, our soundtrack had about 50 songs on it, which we thought, hey, that's a lot of songs. But as (laughs) they tested the game, um, we found that. 50 wasn't enough, so we ended up, it turned into 80 songs, even more audio assets, although in the end, 75 of them um, ended up on the soundtrack, but Ikenfell just has so much to see and discover, like all the animations, all the new surprises and the items, and the story just keeps going, you know, there's always something new, and we felt like the music had to keep up with this world that Chevy had created, so... We kind of <laughs> ended up adding so many more songs at the end. Yeah. That's actually when we recruited Sabrielle Augustine to help us because it was just so much music to create. And I also injured my hands earlier this year. Oh my gosh, sorry to hear that. It, it was a repetitive strain injury, um, ironically, from overworking so, <laughs> um, on multiple projects. And so I was... Um, there was a period of time, actually, where I just couldn't play piano, and I had a lot of trouble writing. So the solo, the piano solo in Gilda's song was the last thing I managed to record before my injury. So I'm really grateful that I got that out there in a song. Yeah. The, um, basically, towards the end of the game, I had trouble playing athletic piano, and I kind of had to reapproach how I compose music for the game. Mm-hmm. But Sabrielle helped a lot. She came in, and she wrote... Six songs, um, some of them for really key moments in the game. 
um, which I won't spoil since we're past the spoiler zone now. (laughs) (laughs) I do always appreciate when people do come in and help because that's that's how the stuff gets made and no one does it alone and i know like a little bit before we got started i mentioned that it's hard work like this is a game that i know people are loving like just from just the social media response alone but yet a lot of work went into developing it and producing it and of course working on the soundtrack like it's a lot of work for a game that may seem simple to some, but says so much and does so much and that is really important. And the fact that um, you two were involved and so many people were able to be involved as well, I, I think is um, definitely worth noting. And again, congratulations, because, you know, this is a really cool game. I, I really hope people go out and check it out. What you said, like, no one does it alone. Um, that's so true. Um, we really don't do things alone. Um, yeah, I really love working with people and, you know, in the beginning it was harder because you feel a little precious about your ideas, but from basically the last decade of working with people, I've come to find that I really enjoy it and um, something really special happens when you let everybody contribute their own genius. And I think that's the theme of the game as well. Um, it's about friendships and working together and helping each other overcome um, traumatic events. Actually, when Chevy Ray first approached Sarah and I to write music for the game, the thing that like hooked me on on the game was that he said the game is about relationships, and the fact that Sarah and I are married uh, seemed like a really good fit for the game. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, whatever game this is, this sounds awesome. <laughs> like the game about relationships and treasures, like even the relationships between the um, people working on it, it, it seemed really right. And um, yeah. throughout working on the game, you know, between all the musicians, um, not just the vocalists, but all the instrumentalists that I worked with and um, the sensitivity team and our friendship with Chevy. Um, I think that friendship has been essential to making this game and yeah. forming connections with people. Like we wouldn't have done it alone, basically. Yeah. Just think like, you know, not too long ago, you know, like you said, you two met at uh, GDC, didn't know each other. Now you're married and, you know, working on these amazing projects um, as a professional team. It's a really interesting dynamic to kind of have to like balance out, you know, your relationship, but also the professional side of things. So <laughs> anybody that could do it, it's it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, we can definitely relate to the uh, having to set boundaries between your personal and professional relationship. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we also if you go back to listen to some of our earlier stuff, some of it was made when we were when we barely knew each other and then some of it was made while we were getting to know each other more and more and by the end of the black box was really when we started dating so we were more like friends and really getting to know each other so there's a lot of manic energy in there of the two (laughs) really wanting to kind of wanting to show show off a little bit to each other and it's taken i think all these years to trust each other more and you know, give each other the right space and also know when only one of us is needed or both of us are needed and also just trust each other to do the best job that we can. I'm really excited to make the Black Box 2. Yeah. Um, We've actually been working on it 
since 2013, but because of all the jobs that we've had, we just haven't really had time to finish it. But I think the difference between that first album and this one was that, um, like Sarashi said, in the first one, we're just kind of bouncing off each other and just really excited to get to know each other. But I think in the second album, we're just very, you know, cohesive and together yeah. as a result of our relationship and all these years working together. So yeah. I think it's going to be a little bit of a different sound. Yeah. Still going to be chips and piano, though. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. not <laughs> literally a different sound. <laughs> No, but yet you're growing along with the music that you're creating, which I think is uh, really interesting. And what I think is what's really getting people excited about the soundtrack, again, just from the responses getting and the fact that so many other people have been already working on like their own renditions of the soundtrack is the fact that there's such a like harmony to it there's like this great chemistry that you two have where let's say the piano and the chip either meet or interchange and just even the time signatures everything just works so well now when you say like you know digital fusion it makes sense because that's really what it is it's fusion like and i think that's what will really help push this game is just the fact that again even if you hadn't played the game which again you should the soundtrack is just so much fun and now getting to know your story, now I see where all that sort of came from. <laughs> like, sorry, I, I get really nerdy when I talk about this stuff. So I, I do want everybody to know where they can find out more about the two of you. If there's places that like they can interact with you, let's say through social media or any other means, um, feel free to let those tags out. Check out our SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com slash IvySura. We also have a Bandcamp page. This one is spelled differently, so it's iv-sarashu.bandcamp.com. Um, we have a website, but there's no point in going to that, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, also, all of our music, along with all of the Steven Universe albums, are on Spotify. Yeah. So you can find us on there as well. And then on Twitter, we also exist. And goof off a bunch. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, on Twitter we are also Ivy Sarah. Um, we also have individual Twitter accounts, but you know it just depends on how uh, how off topic you mind us becoming. <laughs> um, no such thing. So I'm already on board. <laughs> yeah, thank you for listening to our music and for supporting us, and thanks so much for all the kind things you've said about yeah. the Aikenfield soundtrack. It was really fun to make, and I, I hope that everyone listening to it just feels happy listening to it. Yeah. I think that's what we'd really like, just for people to feel happy and loved. Once I found out that not only there are cats in the game, but you can also pet them and they restore your health and let you save, I'm like, all right, give me <laughs> that steam code right now. I need to play this game. And again, thanks to Chevy Ray and everybody who worked on this and talking about inclusion. This is one of those things that I think... We just need to see more of in games and people need to be able to see themselves in their art. And I, and I know we hammer that point home a lot, but we have to. And that's how we help people along. And, and I hope everybody checks this out. And thank you too for making the soundtrack. It's really enjoyable. And I'm really looking forward to hear the Black Box 2 stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again. Anytime. Adrian Has Issues. All of the episodes can be downloaded and streamed at adrianhasissues.com. We are also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, uh, pretty much anywhere where your podcast can be found. 
and thank you for listening. But before we go, I will ask the question I always ask is, every creator has a story. What's yours? Have a good night, everybody.